It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jason Tatum goes off again in Portland, and Jalen Brown had a pretty good game. Daniel Tice, too. Let's give Daniel Tice some love. We're going to do that here on the Wednesday Locked On Celtics podcast. Millie's Let's Go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Wednesday hump day. I'm going to help you get through it. I'm John Corrales here in Portland, Oregon. My first game at the Moda Center, which was pretty nice. Uh, I wish the teams were a little bit better. I wish Damian Lillard was there. Would have been nice to get that uh, crowd going. Uh, I still think of this place as the Rose Garden, and it's it's an obviously old building. You can tell by the concrete steps. You can tell by the old scoreboards in the building. And uh, I was excited to be in there, but unfortunately, the matchup kind of lacked a little bit of oomph. But the Celtics still won, 118-106. I felt like the Celtics were in control for most of the game. They came out cold, and they they actually won the first quarter 28-24, but they were down in the first quarter, the beginning of the first quarter, and they ended up kind of bouncing back. There was a stretch there where I was just not even kind of sure how the hell the Celtics were in the lead, but uh, it was strong three-point shooting by the Boston Celtics who shot 40, almost 49% in the, uh, in the game for, uh, from three, but uh, in the first quarter they shot seven of 12, which I mean, everybody was hitting threes in that in that quarter. Uh, Hayward hit one, Tatum hit a couple, Marcus Smart hit three. It was so funny. Marcus Smart in this game was four of sixteen, four of nine from three. He hit three in a row in the first quarter, and then <laughs> he just got cold. But he still kept shooting. Man, dude kept bombing away. Uh, the Celtics shot in the first half 11 of 22, and so it really was their three-point shooting that that kind of propelled them to this win. They shot, like I said, 19 of 39, but it was the three-point shooting of Jason Tatum, who was 8 of 12, and uh, Jalen Brown, who was 3 of 7. They combined there for, what, 11 of 19 that's pretty nice from three. And they, they combined to score 60 points of the 118 that the Boston Celtics scored. So uh, more than half the points were scored by Boston's two young wings, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I think that's the beginning of the story of this game, that not only did Tatum and Brown combine to have a great game, but obviously... Jason Tatum stepped forward and had this this monster game 
I just want to have a, a few notes here from the game before I dive into the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum thing, and then the Daniel Tice thing later on. But just to run through some of the, the, the things that we saw in this game, Gordon Hayward, I thought, played a, a pretty good game. He got a little sloppy, and, and he did have five turnovers. But 12 points, five of seven shooting, one of two from three. He had a couple of assists. The The turnovers are a little bit of a, an issue, but he's not typically turnover prone, so I'm not too worried about that. I thought Gordon Hayward did all right in this game. Marcus Smart, <laughs> I just look, look at this four of 16, but four of nine from three. Like, that's just, he hit three in a row in the first quarter. Then he, he hit a, a fourth late in like, I forget, the third or the fourth. But four of nine from three is pretty good. That means he was 0 of seven from inside the arc which continues this weird trend for Marcus Smart over the course of this season where his three-point shooting has actually been okay, but his two-point shooting has been a problem this season, and that's just not something that any of us really would have expected. But there we are, Marcus Smart, uh, not really shooting free throws, has not gone to the line much, no free throws in this game. By the way, Jason Tatum, no free throws in this game either. But Marcus Smart, no free throws in this game. Nothing inside the arc. Uh, kind of a wild game from him. Six rebounds, three assists, a couple of steals, and a block. A monster block in the third quarter. Like, just a ridiculous Marcus Smart play. Uh, the bench, eh, you know, okay. But the the Portland Trailblazers are not a good team. They're 26-33. and 33. They're bringing in Mario Hozonia off the bench. They're bringing in Caleb Swanigan off the bench. Caleb Swanigan, by the way, is just a huge, huge dude. So uh, I, I would never want to get hit by Caleb Swanigan, but you know he's uh, not going to give you much off the bench. And so um, the, the Celtics bench actually did okay in this game. Uh, you got 13 points out of Brad Wanamaker, which is always good. Uh, Ennis Cantor came in and didn't kill you. That's that's a big positive. Uh, I think that's the that's the standard by which we, I think, uh, gauge Ennis Cantor's game. Did he kill you in this game? Uh, if not, good. Uh, so he didn't. And then they got uh, Carson Edwards and Vincent Poirier. Those guys came in late. Uh, Romeo Langford played some. Was really not much of a factor. Grant Williams, one of the rare games that Grant Williams just got decimated. I thought Grant Williams played just very uh, poorly uh, defensively. I don't even want to say poorly necessarily. He just got crushed defensively. He tried. He really tried, but not not particularly great. This game was won by Tatum. It was won by Brown. It was won by Daniel Tice in a lot of ways. Marcus Smart chipped in. Gordon Hayward chipped in. And then the bench kind of filled in some gaps. And Brad Wanamaker did okay. That's kind of the flow of the game. Then, now, we discuss 
Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The combination of those two guys, I thought this game was a microcosm of the season. And afterwards, they spoke and said uh, that they are happy for one another, which is, I think, an interesting topic. So that's coming up here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I thought this game was a microcosm of how the season has gone for the Boston Celtics because early on, it was Jalen Brown who was more of a factor, it seemed. I thought this was going to be the game. At halftime, I thought this is going to be the game where Tatum just kind of takes a little step backwards. And when I say a step backwards, he was so far ahead that a step backwards is just a little bit closer to reality. And I know I did, I did that whole podcast yesterday about can we not with Jason Tatum which um, not really well received by some people. And I admit I was kind of reaching for a topic. I didn't have much to talk about. The Celtics didn't play. It's kind of reaching for a topic a little bit. So I, I get it. Sometimes, you know, you take some ambitious shots and you miss. So that was my poor shooting night. But uh, I still stand by the sentiment of the podcast, which is let's just let this kid be what he's going to be. But, you know, he comes in and, and has a, a, a career night from three, eight of 12. And so, you know, I look like a, a jerk <laughs> to some people. All right, fine, whatever it is. Um, but I thought in the first half that, you know, going into the half, uh, Jalen Brown had 15 points and was three of six from three and 
four rebounds and two assists. And I thought, you know, look, Tatum is is shooting okay, but you know, just ten points, hasn't had an assist. Thought this was going to be the kind of role reversal. Jalen Brown's going to come in, and ha- this is the Jalen Brown game, and that's fine. We're going to have the Jalen Brown game often in this in this uh, the rest of the season down the stretch because um, I still think that Jalen Brown is really damn good. But in the third quarter, Jalen Brown still had seven points, but Jason Tatum had twelve on five of eight shooting, two of three from three. And then in the fourth quarter, it was uh, all about uh, Jason Tatum, who just went off and uh, from three in the fourth quarter, shot four of five from three. And this is where he started having some of the disrespectful threes, like the three against uh, Hassan Whiteside. When Hassan Whiteside switched onto Jason Tatum, and Tatum took like – took a couple of steps back, kind of let the ball, like he was dribbling the ball, and then he let it kind of dribble, like bounce, and then he just stepped into it, caught it, and just shot it right in Whiteside's face and drilled it. Oh, my God. That was so disrespectful. And I'm sure for all of Celtics fandom, awesome. Because I Look, just for me personally, I'm not a big Whiteside fan. So... For Tatum to do that in Whiteside's face, I wasn't mad at it. So, but this game was a microcosm of the season where early on in the season, people may forget that there was a debate about if there was one all star, who would it be, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? And it was a difficult conversation. I actually went with Jalen Brown, I know Zach Lowe went with Jalen Brown. And up until they were actually named All-Stars, it was close. Now, Jalen had a couple of injuries, the ankles, the calf, he, you know, thumb. He really struggled at, at, in the, the weeks before the All-Star game. But for a while there, there was a real question. And the debate was, Jason Tatum does this, this, and this. And Jalen Brown kind of plays off of that, but Jalen Brown's playing off of that so well, so efficiently, like, okay, fine, Jason Tatum is creating some of this, but Jalen Brown is taking such great advantage of it that he deserves to be an all-star as well. Then, in the in the weeks before he was named an all-star, Tatum, because Brown had the injuries, Tatum kind of stepped up a little bit. Then once he was named an all-star, Tatum went off. He's just been on a tear ever since then. And it's very kind of similar to this game in that early on, you kind of even, sort of even, but if you look at the, the numbers, you say, well, I think, I think I'm going to go with Jalen Brown on this one. He's having a better game. And then all of a sudden it's, all right, Tatum is stepping up a little bit. It's He's starting to look a little bit better. And then all of a sudden, boom, he is so much better. Like he just became this, this thing, this unstoppable force, and it just became get him the ball, just feed that hot hand over and over and over again. And he got it against a team that had no chance, and he just decimated them. And to the point where I almost feel bad for Portland, but he he really went off. 
But at the same time, you hear these guys talk after the game and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I don't know why it gets to this point, and, and, and I understand this is the reaction to a reaction, but people have a tendency to pick a, a favorite player. You, you, I'm a Jalen Brown guy. I'm a Jason Tatum guy. And this is why I like Jason Tatum. And, oh, well, I'm a Jalen Brown guy, and I like this. And, and you start to have, like, debates, and people tend to pick sides. And that, you know, it starts people down roads where you find yourself arguing against the guy that you like. And, and that was kind of the genesis of my podcast yesterday where I just didn't like arguing against the guy that I, I like watching, and I thought that it was pretty good. And, you know, I, I was actually talking to an NBA scout after the game, and he was raving about Tatum and just how good he's become offensively and and, and defensively, by the way. Very impressive defensively. So, but what ends up happening is people kind of tend to pick sides. Like, I like this. I like him. Another person says, I like him. And then you end up kind of like almost fighting over it. Like in, in your argument, you, you tend to cut down the other guy, but you like the other guy. So that's something that just happens organically. Maybe not, maybe you're not the one as you listen. Maybe that's not you, but it happens. And the guys in the locker room, they understand that people on the outside, might do that sometimes, but they don't. And that's important to note. There's a question that always comes along about, is Jalen jealous? Is somebody on this team jealous? And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe some people just have this natural kind of feeling that, Somebody should be jealous in this situation. But I'll tell you what, you know, having been on teams, I feel like I have a different perspective and I'd like to think that, you know, it's different. And, and I can speak to a certain level. I can't speak to the NBA level. because There's so much money involved and so much, and you know, different so many different things involved in the NBA that I'll never know firsthand. But at the same time, being on a team is being on a team. And I know that if I had a teammate that was doing extraordinarily well and playing at that level, knowing that I was a pretty good player myself, I'd be happy if this player was doing better than me. Because I know that at some point. If I'm Jalen Brown, I'm going to have my games too. And if one guy ascends to superstardom, then that's okay. That's fine. I can also ascend to superstardom or stardom. Uh, I can ascend to a point where I'm, I'm pretty damn good. And if he just ends up being better than me, then okay, so be it. But I don't think that it, at, the, at least at this point in their careers, I don't think that that's, that's a problem. I don't think that there's a, a feeling between the two of them that's any sort of rivalry. They, they always seem to encourage one another. They always seem to be uh, playing together. They always seem to be upbeat with one another. 
And so uh, I thought it was very interesting to hear them both talk after the game and say things like, um, you know, how, how good, like Jalen Brown has been very, very complimentary about Jason Tatum and saying like, yes, of course, the way he's playing right now, you absolutely have to feed that hot hand. So find a way to get him the ball. And if, if I can help and get some of the other shots, then fine. But like, find a way to get him the ball. Let's get him, let's get him going because he's, he's on this tear. And so, uh, I think that's an important dynamic to have important for this team and important for, uh, everybody involved to know that because one guy's going off doesn't mean that there's a, a feeling of, uh, any negativity from the other guy. And so, as Brad Stevens said after the game, we're going to need everybody. Jalen, Jason, Daniel Tice. It, you know, Kemba Walker's been out for a few games, so we forget about Kemba. But like, yeah, Kemba Walker too. Um, Gordon Hayward too. We're going to need all of these guys. And and honestly, I hope all of these guys understand that for the Boston Celtics to be what they're going to be, for them to be, as they say, the best version of themselves, for them to be the contender that they want to be and that people say they can be everybody has to be at their best you can't like even if you say well look dude jason tatum is so obviously better than everybody else he's going to be your number one option that's fine but at the same time he's not at that level yet where he's lebron or or Durant or those guys. He had his moments. He has he has times where he just dribbles and, and does like the James Harden between the legs and creates his own shot. That stuff is amazing. The uh, third quarter, I think it was the third quarter, where he got a rebound, uh, loose ball, and kind of blew past two Portland guys that they – they weren't moving particularly well, but he just was, he, as I saw on Twitter, hit the turbo button and scored. Like, all of that stuff is great. But the Celtics, even if he is, even if Tatum is being that guy, they still need everybody, everybody to be good. And I'm happy to see a happy basketball team in there where everybody's just kind of working together. And so when you see Tatum and Brown combine for more than half of the Celtics points, you know that they are happy for one another. And that's important. And I want to make sure that this whole segment, as we wrap up the segment, that's the message. These guys are happy for one another. Jason Tatum is also happy for Daniel Tice, He wants to buy Daniel Tice a watch for his birthday. I'll tell you why next. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. We have to talk about Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice played just about 24 minutes didn't have like monster game 10 points nine rebounds three assists uh, a, a nice game a nice game from Daniel Tice but 
he made his big impact doing the thing that Daniel Tice does, which is set a pick, then dive to the lane, and seal a guy off. In fact, here's Brad Stevens after the game talking about Daniel Tice doing that. He's been great. Um, It's just his screening angles are great. His roles are great. Um, He's very unselfish. He does a lot of unselfish things that, you know, and I thought Canner did a lot of really good things tonight too, screening. I thought they were both did a good job. Those are not, it's not always fun to be the guy that runs up screens and runs back on defense, you know, or runs up screens, rolls, doesn't touch it, and then runs back on defense. It's like, but but that's the way teams function, you know, and we appreciate all that stuff as much as everybody else appreciates all the stats. Unselfish. That's Daniel Tice for sure. He is unselfish. And it is hard to be the guy that's like, all right, I'm going to come in here. I'm preparing for an NBA game where my job is to go and set a pick, and then I'm going to turn around and block off another guy, set basically another pick, and – I'm going to watch that guy score and then watch that guy get all of the praise and then that's it. That's it. That's kind of like the end of the story. The end. I do a lot of the work. He gets a lot of the results and that's it. But he is such an important guy. And I know there's been a lot of kind of joking around recently about Tim Bontemps of ESPN saying that Daniel Tice has been their MVP when obviously it's been Jason Tatum or Kimball Walker, uh, but Tice has been very important. Like he's been, Tice has filled in as far as performance that low key MVP kind of guy in the, uh, in the, Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.